designed to fill your passenger seat with chat about classic cars, all recorded from my 1968 Morris Minor Peggy. I'm Becca and today I'm making the trip uh, down to pick up my partner from work, having finished work myself. And the trip is actually going to be taking place on a little section of the A1M and it seemed like the perfect uh, time to do a little podcast about uh, motorways, the history and design of motorways that actually almost coincides with uh, the history of cars like Peggy becoming ever so popular. My quirk of classic car ownership for you today is how easily we can be made to smile by seeing another classic car owner out on the roads. I've actually fortunately seen two other classic car owners out today. Uh, one has actually started bringing their car to work, so alongside the Citroen Lomax that I've spoken about before, um, another guy has started bringing his Ford Cortina Mark 1 to work to give it a little bit of a run as well. And um, as well as that, when I went to fill up with petrol just before I started this podcast, saw a very lovely example of, I think, some sort of 80s So 
definitely recommend checking out Reading the Everyday by Joe Moran. It's a very interesting book, it covers a lot of interesting things um, about just everyday life as well as uh, everyday motoring. Um, so definitely worth checking that out if you get a chance. But I'm going to summarise some of the ideas that he puts across about the history of motorways today so you can get a nice little flavour of that today. state was seeing your cars like your Morris Miners and things making their way up and down it and they were doing so in a way that was uh, unseen for cars prior to, prior to this. Um, it was very much a glamorised low traffic, no speed limit space to really enjoy your car um, and so, so some people even though the roads were um, new and perhaps scary were just making a day trip out of going on the motorway um, and even if you didn't own a car these new ways of transporting yourself around the country were drawing a lot of interest um, as well as cars going on an average of 80 miles per hour up and down these roads um, to test out the real capabilities of their cars because in these early days there was no speed limits on them um, people were making a day trip of going and watching the traffic on the, a on the M1. So people were so people were sitting on the verges, on bridges, even. 
even in the hard shoulder, taking picnics and sitting there for the day and watching people travel up and down the roads um, in their cars at speeds that they'd never really seen before. Uh, even, uh, there was even bus trips organised out of London to the M1 for people to go and see uh, these things and also to potentially experience the M1 in a bus if they didn't own the, a car themselves uh, that might then persuade them that this new glamorous, very free and open way of travelling um, would be for them and they might be convinced to buy a car, uh, which is just such an interesting, complete opposite to how a lot of us now view motorways. Uh, many of us associate motorways with congestion and traffic and uh, so many cars and designed ins and outs and things like that and actually the, the very early forms of plans for the motorways was to offer something new, exciting and was going to make driving and travelling around our country post-war in a much more an exciting and thrilling way. Decided upon in country. 
out distances, working out what's going to work well, uh, working out with different fonts work better, um, and contrasts in colours. So the biggest contrast that was needed was um, on the motorways that were now being introduced. And so that is why on motorways we have this blue and white contrast because it was deemed to be the most effective for noticing the difference, but also um, from a further distance as well. So you're able to bake out the lettering and things like that from a much further distance than any other colour combination based on uh, Jock Kinnear's team's research. They also tried out whether block capitals would be a better option and they tried out whether um, having a different font would be better, different spacing and in the end it came, they came to the conclusion that the letters of the smallest size um, needed to be uh, at least 12 inches long and that they needed to use a mix of both uppercase and lowercase and this was hugely controversial at the time because there was a strong opinion that using black block capitals would be the clearest option but actually when we think about it none of this is something anything that we think about anymore because it just goes to show how really well designed these signs are that they aren't causing problems anymore and that we have not only adopted them universally across the country started to see, we, we also saw that other countries were starting to use uh, Jock Kinnear's uh, research and methods to support their ideas. Now once we'd sorted out signs and making sure that they weren't going to be distracting and that they were placed at a particular angle, that only the driver had to look 15 degrees away from the road for them to be able to make those signs out, we then needed to think about what was happening around not being used as they were intended. 
space on the sides of some of these roads. We've seen more distractions being introduced for drivers, for example, variable speed limits and the closing of uh, lanes quite suddenly without um, cones and things like that, which can be actually more uh, noticeable for drivers. And so it's an argument potentially to be made that the reason things like smart motorways aren't working is because they don't fit in with the original very well thought out and well researched um, signage and, and design that our original motorways were set up to have. I personally really enjoy a good drive on a motorway, especially in Peggy. I know that there's an argument for these motorways creating something called highway hypnosis where you get so kind of focused in on the road and the lack of distractions that you zone out from your driving. But when I'm driving Peggy, I find that I'm actually much safer on a motorway than I am driving a modern car. Um, and I actually enjoy the kind of comfort of being able to potentially sit behind uh, a particular lorry for a little bit and then eventually go for an overtake when I feel safe to do so and I want a different kind of safely and happy motoring.